Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 35 of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Good afternoon or evening, I guess, uh, depending on which coast you're on, uh, <laughs> to a college football fan. Or it could be morning. You don't know when they're listening to this. True. <laughs> All right. Yes, well, this is the uh, College Football Throwdown, a college football podcast by college football fans for college football fans. And we are back onto the Skype, as you can probably hear. Uh, I am now back in Los Angeles after my nice uh, Christmas and New Year's uh, uh, trip home. It was it was great, great time for all. That's true. And so we're here today to talk about the uh, kind of recap our the predictions we made on the bowl games and how the the bigger games shaped out. You know, which games were good, which games were bad. You know, all that sort of stuff, and looking ahead to the uh, national championship game that's now coming up. Uh, But before we get into that, we have uh, our beverage to crack, as is our tradition here. here Yes, and that can be be you today, my friend. All right, here we go. There we go. All right. I'm drinking out of a bottle tonight. Okay, got it. Um, So, uh, which... How do you think should we should we start with some of the, like the lesser games and build up to the bigger ones, or should we start with the bigger ones? Do you think? No, I, I would say the lesser ones and build up to the big ones. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we the predictions we made were pretty much for like the New Year's Six bowls. Um, I guess the one other one we had was um, Northwestern in Tennessee. Uh, right, which, and uh, and I don't, and I think there was one New Year's Day Six that we missed. Which was uh, the one that included Houston because we included oh. another bank game that wasn't, but but yeah. it's not irrelevant uh, to that's, our conversation. That's true. We didn't talk about Houston. Well, yeah. So um, you predicted a. Uh, we both predicted Tennessee victory, um, but I said uh, 24-21, and you said twenty-eight twenty-four. Uh, so we both ended up lowballing it there uh, pretty badly, I'm afraid. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Final score. I, I, well, I, I, I really had some concerns that I, I, I believe even on the podcast I may have talked a little bit about that, but I expected that one to, to be heavily in favor of Tennessee, but I was I was hopeful that Northwestern would be able to hang with them and Tennessee would maybe not be as motivated, but they were motivated. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that, that, was a, that one was a pretty dominant game. We watched part of it and then gave up because the final score ended up being 45-6. to six. Yes, which um, and it and and it, and that and that is not indicative of how lopsided it was. I mean, Northwestern could truly do nothing. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of rough. Um, I'm looking here at some of the games that were being played because we did we did a podcast um, before, obviously, on the Nebraska game, Nebraska UCLA, which turned out to be a Nebraska victory, which was quite a pleasant surprise for us. Um, some other games that happened around that time, we had a Navy and Pitt. Um, Navy ended up winning that one pretty handily, 44-28. Nice, nice way to cap off a very good season for them. Absolutely. And, and a little uh, unexpected in my mind because I thought Pitt, with all the time to prepare, would be able to get their team ready, especially given that Narduzzi is such a good defensive mind. I really thought that his team would be more prepared to, to stop, but they couldn't stop Navy. Mm-hmm. 
and this is another one I believe we might have mentioned on the Nebraska podcast that um, there was the potential for all of the five and seven teams, the three who made it in to the bowl games, uh, to win their bowls, and that didn't end up happening because Minnesota beat at, uh, Central Michigan twenty-one fourteen. That's correct. That's correct. So, yeah, I, I don't know that that's justification for the five and seven teams getting in, but it's just an interesting thing to to observe. Yeah. This is an interesting one. I'm not sure why I didn't watch this game because it looks like it was pretty good. Um, Baylor and North Carolina on the 29th. It was probably because of just the timing of when it was when it was on. But yeah, yeah that was a good game. Yep, and ended, Baylor ended up winning 49-38, which is actually an upset because North Carolina was ranked 10th while they were 17th. So right, and and Baylor I think broke a 20-year-old Nebraska record for rushing in a bowl game in that game they they had a ridiculous amount of rushing yards huh well good i was like seeing you know nice dominant uh rushing yards in a game that's always fun absolutely absolutely Uh, this is one that we did watch and this was very exciting uh usc wisconsin that was a nail biter down to the very end yes it was and again another surprising result i thought you know given that it was going to be out there in california um, and it, and everything I and I wasn't sure what uh, what motivation level you know Wisconsin's team was going to have, and I, I felt like uh, USC with the new coach and everything having already been named, you know, and him being the the guy who was the in, interim. I mean, you know, it's his team now. You would have thought that they would have really come out fire and brimstone and stuff, but uh, they came out cocky for sure. Uh, it was horrible uh, their behavior. I. I hope that's not indicative of that new coach, because if it is, uh, uh, then USC will quickly become uh, the team I least like and most root against, Mm -hmm. because they were very chippy in that game. And that game also contained the one of the most horrific um, calls, you know, and there were plenty during this whole Mm -hmm. uh, bowl season, but one of the most horrific no calls or miss calls in in the whole bowl season in that uh, a play that very likely could have decided the outcome of the game. Thank God that, that Wisconsin came back and won it so that uh, the right team won, but they were, they were robbed of a, a substantial touchdown oh, yeah. Yeah, because that... of a, a referee just, just making a, a, a bonehead decision, you know, on something that should be pretty standard protocol where if you can't see whether a guy stepped out or not, or you're not sure you let the play continue and let the, and let the video uh, sort it out. Mm-hmm. You do not blow a whistle dead because you think somebody might have gone out. If you can't see it, you don't call it. Yeah, I mean, to the guy's credit, I mean, he it was it was a beautifully done by that player. I mean, he was right on the edge, but the video clearly shown the second that you saw it that he was in. So right, right. So if if uh, but uh, so my point is that if 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 you don't see it definitively, like it's obvious that he's out. If it's not obvious, don't call it because mm-hmm. that's the beauty. You have the replay. Use the replay official as if he was part of your team, part of your group that was on the field. Don't feel like he's contradicting you. If, if he changes a, a call or makes a call you didn't uh, in, uh, upon review, hey, no problem. That's true. Right? Yep. And he, this is another interesting bowl game. Uh, Louisville, Texas A&M. Uh, Louisville scored 20 points in the first quarter 
but ended up winning 27-21, so Texas A&M did manage to come back to keep it interesting at least. Right, right. And there seemed to be, well, we'll get to it eventually, but there's a there were a few games like that where teams uh, seemed to get out to an early lead and then, and then the other team uh, certainly shot back into contention. Oh, yeah. Well, talking about that, I guess, because now we're getting, uh, in terms of the, I'm looking at ESPN.com here, and in terms of the timeline, now we're getting to the New Year's Six Bowls. But um, there were some uh, kind of lesser bowls uh, just the other day on Saturday. And um, the biggest one of that would be the Oregon TCU game, which uh, I uh, I was in the airport at the time. Um, and uh, I knew I knew that uh, we, we were listening to a little bit of it. We knew that Oregon had gone up by like 30 points in the first half. So it did seem like it was going to be that interesting. But then I was keeping an eye on the score. And sure enough, I saw they... Uh, that uh, TCU kept getting more points, and then when I when they were within a touchdown, I found found my way over to a bar and watched as much of it on TV as I could before I had to get on my plane. And then you were texting me updates, and so that was kind of exciting. That was crazy, absolutely crazy. I, I I'm I'm kind of disappointed. I I suspect they probably replayed that today on ESPN. Uh, maybe if not today, maybe they'll do it tomorrow. Um, but that's an instant classic, man. That's a game you want to watch. I, I look forward to maybe recording that and uh, and watching that sometime. Well, it is an instant classic, although, I mean, it's extremely clear why. I mean, the only reason Oregon lost that game is because they lost their quarterback, which gets back to what, we, uh, what we've said before, because I believe the same thing happened to... Uh, I think it was either Baylor or TCU maybe in one of their games. They lost their quarterback all of a sudden. They didn't look like nearly the offensive powerhouse that they had been just five minutes before, you know? Right, right. Uh, Yep, that happened to Baylor, and and it happened to Oklahoma uh, Mm -hmm. uh, against TCU. And then TCU, of course, uh, had their quarterback be a bonehead idiot and uh, got suspended, you know, the night before the game or two nights before the game. Uh, so he didn't play either. So TCU was playing with a backup quarterback as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep, yep. Their their starter had gotten drunk and punched a cop. <laughs> they like two days before the game because he's an idiot. Wow. So well, Impressive that they managed to do that. I saw it's actually like tied for second amongst biggest uh, comeback wins in just FBS history in general. The only one that was more wow. was like a 35-point comeback by MSU. Huh. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. Did not know that. Pretty crazy. I knew it was the biggest one in history of uh, of bowl games. I didn't realize it was that close to being, uh, you know, a historic yeah. uh, all game. Yeah, huh. actually, it, it's tied for the bowl game one, actually, uh in 2006, also, Texas Tech and Minnesota. Texas Tech came back against Minnesota mm. by 31 points as well. You know, I think I remember that game. <laughs> there you go. Was it that you're munching there, by the way? I heard you opening up a bag. I'm sorry, yes. Okay, I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and then another one that was like that was the Penn State-Georgia game. It looked like Georgia Georgia went up by a lot early and looked like they were dominating the game. But then Penn State uh, scored some points late in the fourth and it looked like they had the chance to, uh, to tie they, it up. They did. They chipped away and, and worked at it. And ironically, you know, they lost their quarterback, uh, Penn State did, to an injury. 
and had to deal, you know, live with a backup and uh, still made it interesting at the end, even with the backup. So you just don't know. That's right. And then another interesting one, West Virginia and Arizona State, 43-42, a real slugfest. Yeah. yeah, that's a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a good game to watch. I didn't get to catch that one. But, okay, are there any other smaller ones you want to talk about? I think we're ready for the, the big boys. Yep, let's go with the big boys. Okay, so um, we might as well start with the, the playoff games, You know, which was New Year's Eve. So we were off doing our respective um, New Year's Eve things. Actually, uh, we were together for the Oklahoma-Clemson game, and then uh, by the time of the Michigan State game, I was over at a friend's house because, um, uh, obviously, a lot of people in Michigan were very invested in that game. Um, talking about the Oklahoma-Clemson game, um, that was one where it was, uh, it was the first half was very was good and competitive, and, you know, good back and forth, and both teams were being very physical on defense, which I like to see. Uh, but Clemson definitely pulled away there in the second and started kind of dominating them. Yes, absolutely. Yep, and and you know, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm disappointed that Michigan State didn't put up a better um, fight, if you will, right? Right. Yep. I mean, but but the but but the bottom line is that um, you know they needed to have success early, and when uh, Connor Cook, when it was still early in the game, and it was I think it was ten nothing at the time, and uh, Michigan State was able to put together a serious drive. And then uh, Connor Cook throws a pick just before, just a few minutes before halftime. Oh, yeah. um, that was the that was a killer for them. Had they been able to score a touchdown on that drive and gone in, you know, and it, it had been ten to seven, then then quite possibly their their approach and their attitude and everything about what was going on might have felt a lot different. But as it was, they went in already a little bit uh, feeling like, what do we got to do to have some success against this Alabama defense? And then immediately in the second half, Alabama gets the ball and scores, and you know Michigan State isn't able to recover, and yeah. it just kind of snowballs from there. And then it and then it looks more lopsided than it probably uh, ought to be in terms of the, the the differential between the two teams. But there was no question that that Alabama you know was controlling the line of scrimmage, and and uh, and Michigan State didn't have what it took to. To, to hang with them for 60 minutes in all likelihood. Oh, yeah. No, uh, they – I also I, – I point out that same thing. I think that, that play, that interception there, while they were having that nice drive in the – near the end of the second quarter, I definitely think that was a turning point in the game. And I also agree, you know, just watching the game, uh, Alabama's defensive line was just owning uh, MSU's offensive line, which, you know, part of the reason Connor Cook was – you know, he obviously – he didn't seem to be 100% recovered from his injury. He was wearing that brace, so there seemed to be something kind of off there. But just as important was the fact that his linemen weren't protecting him most of the time, and so he was having to throw on the fly and not getting the to sit in the pocket, you know, nice and comfortable very much at all in that game. Right. I agree. I agree. So uh, it is what it is. And on 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 that particular game, it's it, it was the beginning of a of a bad uh, you know indication, if you will, for the Big Ten, um, uh, uh, at least for some of its higher, uh, you know, highly regarded teams. The two in the in the uh, Big Ten championship both struggled in their bowl games, and and Michigan State's was the first of those two. Yeah, and you right, you have to, you won out this time. Um, in terms of our predictions, uh, I went for the 
um, underdog in both these games. I said uh, Oklahoma was going to win against Clemson 52-49, and you said they, that Clemson was going to win 42-38. Um, so you, you were definitely closer there, although both of us were definitely predicting high-scoring, very close games there. Right. I, yep. I, I think we both felt like like both offenses would be able to have some success. And so, you know, you got to tip your hat to, to Clemson because they certainly made things more difficult. And it just seemed game plan wise, I, I would I would question Oklahoma's choices a little bit in there in that game. Uh, Oklahoma did not appear. And, and I know that they had a number of injuries throughout the game to their running backs and such. So there were some things going on there that, you know, we, we don't know about, but but uh, they certainly didn't seem to to get themselves, uh, you know, connected to their running game uh, at all. And, and as a result, um, nothing ever got, got going, you know, they never got into sync. Yep. And then similarly in the, for MSU Alabama, uh, even though I believed Alabama was the better team, I believed MSU could win. And so I predicted MSU over Alabama 21, 17, whereas you said Alabama would win 21, 17. So you were right in picking Alabama, although it definitely ended up being much more lopsided than either of us expected. Right. So we got as far as picking those games, uh, I, I I got both of those then, right? Yep, you did. Okay. All right. And then uh, you're right, Houston, Florida State. We missed that one on our bowl predictions podcast, um, and I don't think I really w- watched much of this one. Um, but that ended up being a Houston victory, thirty-eight twenty-four. Uh, looks like they kind of dominated, going up twenty-one to three in the first half. Yeah, they did. They did, and uh, uh, you know it's interesting. That's a team, Houston, that we'll be keeping our eyes on as we go forward to next year because uh, um, they're a team that has uh, a lot of youth, a lot of guys coming back, and uh, given their schedule, they're probably going to find themselves in a in a situation where they'll they have a chance to be very much in the thick of. Uh, of this, uh, you know, um, what I say, playoff situation. And with all the kind of recognition they got this year, they, they've built the, the goodwill you need to, to build as a, uh, uh, as one of those teams to get serious consideration, you know, oh, yeah. and they get a, they get a couple of early chances next year. They, they play Oklahoma early in a, in a non-conference game. And then later Louisville in a non-conference game. Uh, and I would expect they'll, they'll run through their conference. So, if they could find a way to beat Oklahoma early next year, watch out for Houston. Yeah, no, that, that would be interesting. I mean, the only way any of these kind of lesser, uh, uh, what, what do they call them, the, the five non-power conference teams. Right, the, right. Group of five. Group of five, there we go. I was looking for that. For any of them to kind of make it in, unless you're Notre Dame, uh, you really need to um, – dominate your your conference and go undefeated you know and beat at least one or two you know fbs uh, or a group of five or power five i guess i should say power five teams you know to prove that you deserve to be in that kind of top 10 consideration right yeah all right and then um so the, the, uh, that other uh, Big Ten team you were talking about there, uh, that would be the Iowa-Stanford game, which both of us predicted that Stanford was the better team and that Iowa would struggle to score. Um, so you predicted a 35-14 victory. I predicted 28-14. 
Uh, so we were both about right in terms of how much Iowa'd score against Stanford, but I think both of us maybe had higher expectations that Iowa's defense would slow them down, and that certainly did not happen. Right, that's true. Well, and that's the thing is that uh, Stanford got out so quick out of the box that it, then it became, you know, uh, Iowa had never. I think they showed a stat that Iowa had never been 14 points behind the entire year, and Iowa, Iowa was. Uh, as I have argued on here a couple times before, Iowa was the beneficiary of a of a very generous schedule combined with some really fortuitous luck uh, throughout the course of the season that put them in positions where they could kind of dictate games and, and circumstances throughout the, 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 the whole uh, process of going undefeated during the regular season, including uh, ultimately in the last game against us where we, you know, doubled them in yardage and first downs and all the statistical categories, but because our our quarterback kept throwing it to the to them, uh, you know, you just can't can't defeat a team when you keep giving them more and more opportunities and pick sixes and the like. And then even in the in the Michigan State uh, conference championship game, they uh, th- they continued to have some of the benefits of that sort of thing, where they were playing a Michigan State team that clearly had an injured quarterback who they were trying to protect a little bit and. Uh, you know, we're we're going to find out more about the whole Michigan State thing. I'm I'm convinced that Connor Cook was injured even in the Alabama game, and he was he was playing with less than a full deck, if you will, in terms of his capabilities, because mm-hmm. uh, he did not look sharp at all, and um, and I think that injury had a lot more to do with that than maybe people are willing to admit. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and this reiterates what I've said on a previous podcast that uh, I believe Christian McCaffrey should have won the. Uh, the Heisman this year, I think he's, uh, you know, after seeing him in that uh, Pac-12 conference championship game, I mean, he wowed everybody there big time. And in this game, he did it again, like 300-plus, like, all-purpose yards, you know, between his rushing and his receptions passing and all that stuff. I mean, he's just a stud. He is. He is a, a heck of a player. And, and Derrick Henry was also an outstanding player. But but I would agree with you that if if – if if I was voting, I would have voted uh, McCaffrey number one and Henry number two. Yep. All right, and then he, thankfully there was uh, some other Big Ten teams did step up to the plate in their games. Um, Ohio State against uh, Notre Dame, which turned yep. out to be a pretty good game, and uh, Notre Dame ended up uh, kind of pulling away with that, forty-four twenty-eight. So, you mean Ohio State? What did I say? You said Notre Dame, but Ohio Notre State Dame. won the game, and yes, yeah, and and and, and Ohio State had that pretty comfortably in hand most of the time yeah 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 i mean they yeah they were winning by 14 points at halftime you know so that's a pretty comfortable place to be even though you're not dominating like you know alabama Mm -hmm. was against msu right 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 Right. and then uh yep that's that's correct and you know again uh that was a good matchup people were excited about that matchup um you know, I I don't know that Notre Dame played poorly. I just think Ohio State was better. Um, and you know, it, it, it begs the question, uh, kind of what could have been, right? Because Ohio State's only loss then is to Michigan State, and they were playing Michigan State with a backup quarterback, and they still couldn't beat them. You know, and that is uh, uh, absolutely on them. And uh, they, they should have they should have been able to find a way. And ironically, it was uh, as a result of that loss um you know urban meyer took more of a uh uh 
an interest in the offensive uh, play calling and the off- offensive game planning in future weeks. And overall, just greater interest in the team. And they played better. So the question becomes, you know, kind of what if. Right, right. For, for them. For well, them. and also in terms of the Big Ten, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it would appear in terms of a, you know, who's which Big Ten team is playing the best football as of right now at the end of the season, Ohio State would seem to be showing that they are the top team right now. So, you know, if they had played against Alabama instead of MSU, it would have been a different story. Well, I think certainly Ohio State would have been able to be more competitive than Michigan State was able to demonstrate. I, I believe that is true. Yeah. Um, yep, we both predicted that game as well. Both predicted Ohio State victory, although you predicted 35-21, whereas I said 38-35. So I had it pecked a little closer than you did, and I turned out being wrong in that regard. Yep. So, you know, um, uh, but that, you know, that maybe leads me to a, a whole uh, general point to make, which is it is incredible how unpredictable bowls are. And so much of it is attitude and, you know, what team shows up and, with the exception of a few of the top, top games um, where you can anticipate both teams really genuinely being there mentally, uh, there's an awful lot of games where, where you know, you can, you can do all the analysis of the world in terms of identifying what they did during the course of their regular seasons and, you know, what conferences they come from and, you know, who challenged them and who didn't and all that stuff. Look at turnover ratios, and none of it matters. <laughs> None of it matters. It all depends on which team shows up motivated. Team, when I say team, I mean coaching staff and team, you know, and which ones aren't. Because uh, it, it, it seems like fairly quickly, uh, you know, you, you figure it out, which team was that wanted to be there. Yeah. And uh, you got some weird things uh, like uh, Temple getting beat. I think it was by, by Toledo. Yeah. Toledo lost their head coach. Uh, Temple had had a great year, nearly beat Notre Dame, probably should have um, beat Penn State, uh, had had a great year within their conference, and was a very, very talented team. It's shown that all year, One, very good defensively, et cetera, et cetera. And they got their doors blown off by a Toledo, <laughs> a Toledo team that didn't even have its head coach anymore. Now, Toledo was good, but you would have expected Temple to handle them. Well, clearly Temple thought they were just going to be able to show up and win, I guess. You know, I mean, it, that's the only explanation for how they could look so bad in that game, right? right? And so it's about attitude. And there were, there were numerous other games like that, too, where you, you really had to question whether both teams showed up. Yep, yep. Well, and that gets, I believe we talked about this on one of our previous ones about, you know, uh, Tom Osborne made a comment about what, what his kind of strategy was in terms of, and how it changed over time as he kind of saw a trial and error of what worked and what did in terms of how he should uh, do practices during that month you know, between the end of the regular season and the, the bowl games because, right. you know, different coaches have different philosophies in terms of how to prep your players versus how much time to give them off and that kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah. So. Okay, and then the, uh, one of the other big ones was Oklahoma State Ole Miss. This one, this time I actually got you. Uh, you okay. predicted Oklahoma State 45-35 over Ole Miss, whereas I said Ole Miss was going to win 38-31. Turned out to be a 48-20 victory where they went up uh, big in the first half and yeah. kind of controlled the game. Uh, I, I got to give Ole Miss some credit because I was a little critical of them on the last podcast. You know, I, I genuinely thought that without a couple of their key players, 
that Old Miss's defense was going to be a little more susceptible uh, to an Oklahoma State team that I viewed as being fairly uh, prolific offensively, and I didn't figure either team had the defensive wherewithal to, to dramatically slow down the other one, especially given some of the, the, the missing pieces uh, for Old Miss, but they showed up both offensively and defensively, uh, and you know, losing, uh, losing the uh, Kim Dietje folks didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think when you look back at Oklahoma State's record, um, you know, they did. Yeah. S- you know, they they pounded on the teams that were lesser than them. You know, they were right. right when they got out into a lead, but uh, but yeah, in terms of coming back from behind and playing teams that were of equal or greater talent than them, they definitely. Well, they- I would say they, they fall in the same category as Iowa, where they were the beneficiary of a very easy early season schedule that allowed them to build up a you know seven, eight, nine win type of uh, schedule initially. And then Oklahoma got exposed before the end of the season because they had kind of a, a row of games at the end that was going to be put up or shut up time. And, and they, they were shut up, basically, <laughs> because they lost, uh, I think, the last three games they played in the conference. And then, uh, and then their bowl game. So they are they're they're on a four game losing streak. Where uh, same similarly for Iowa, frankly they they got beat up by us, even though they won the game. And then they got beat by uh, Michigan State, and then beat by Stanford. So it's just one of those things where when you start to when the when the stakes are elevated and, and the other team shows up with talent and motivation, it's a different story. Yep. And then the final one would be the. Um... Michigan-Florida game in the Citrus Bowl. Um, I had kind of said on the previous podcast I thought that this was one that Michigan could win uh, comfortably. I predicted a 31-14 kind of victory. You predicted a 27-21 victory for Michigan. So I guess I ended up being closer in terms of the point spread, although I was still lowballing it, as it turns out, a 41-7 dominant win for them. It was. It was a very impressive uh, victory for Michigan. Uh, they looked good. Their, uh, their, uh, again, uh, their senior quarterback uh, looked very good, um, and uh, and their receivers were fabulous. And just overall, they were just very crisp, and and their execution was very high. And Florida uh, was not. <laughs> Bottom yeah. line is, and and there were some huge busted coverages. Uh, I don't know why Florida seemed so confused. Either Michigan really can really confused them, or Florida confused themselves. I, I suspect it's a little bit of the latter uh, because Florida had been so good throughout the season uh, defensively, and and they just didn't seem to be all on the same page because there were there were a lot of times where they were yelling at each other, looking at each other like, you know, wh- who was supposed to do that? Right. Yeah, that, that is what surprised me about it because I knew that Florida's offense wasn't very good and that they were going to struggle to score, but uh, but yeah, I mean Florida's defense held off Alabama for you know two and a half quarters during the their that championship game you know but uh but michigan didn't have a problem with them no that's right and uh uh so i'm that's that obviously paints a good picture for michigan going forward and specifically next year what they might be able to do if they can find themselves a quarterback who can pull the trigger with the kind of continuity and consistency that that uh, uh gosh what was his name um the, the iowa transfer um who played quarterback for them this year, you know, he came in and was a good decision maker, generally speaking, and, and threw the ball with protection and, uh, and did a good job. Right. 
All right. Well, what would you say now, looking back on this kind of bowl season? Because I know there are some people who have been kind of down on it, given that a lot of the the big games, you know, the New Year's Six games, the playoff games, uh, turned out to be kind of one-sided uh, matchups. They weren't as you know competitive as some people were expecting them to be. Well, you know, again, that, that, that's the nature of bowl games. But but in terms of creating a, a slate of games that, that made sense based on the team's uh, uh, regular season records, you know, the results that they had from this year, uh, and, and then just looking at it from a matchup standpoint, I thought that the, the bowl season represented a great opportunity for, for some phenomenal football, and it was a, a great series of matchups. I don't know that if they had changed or – uh, or reshuffled the deck in terms of who played who, that there would have been dramatically different outcomes, um, you know, other than po- the possibility that maybe uh, Michigan State and Iowa, uh, you know, maybe you flip-flop Michigan State and Iowa with, with uh, Ohio State and Michigan in those two respective games, and, and, and maybe uh, the, the, the outcomes aren't different, but maybe it's more competitive. Um, but, uh, you know, just based on how, how what you saw, you know, and during the games, but, but I think it was a, it was exactly what, you know, we, we hope to get accomplished with this whole playoff thing. Um, and, uh, but what's going to be interesting to me going forward is the issue of, uh, New Year's Eve versus New Year's Day. And I know they've, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, tradition and history there that they're trying to work around, which prompts this New Year's Eve thing, but there's already a lot of media hype about, you know, the reduced uh, um, uh, overnight numbers as far as television viewers uh, for the uh, for these two playoff games. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when as, as we go forward with this. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I was talking to you the other day. I think if, you know, it won't happen immediately, but if they get several years worth of data that are showing them that consistently, you know, the New Year's Eve time isn't uh, isn't getting the numbers that they want, you know, uh, they might they might kind of force the you know the Rose Bowl and those guys to kind of try to compromise with them and say hey guys you know you you want to split this money too don't you wouldn't you like a bigger pot you know right right and I you know I don't know how you solve that thing without without those guys uh, making some significant uh, concessions and I don't know how ready or willing they are to do that right. All right, so now we this this whole uh, playoff system has now given us our national championship game for the next Monday, uh, Alabama and Clemson, number one and number two. So definitely, and I, and I would yeah, I would say that that says it did its job. Yeah, they they knew who the top teams were. Um, so what what are you what do you think about this matchup, and uh, what are your predictions in terms of who you think is going to win? Well, I, I think it's an interesting matchup because it's a it's contrasting styles, which is opposite of what the semifinals were, which was you know competition between teams of similar styles. I'm always more of a defense first kind of guy, and I've always been a believer that if you have a uh, an outstanding championship caliber defense, then all you need to be is effective and efficient offensively. And Alabama was a picture of efficiency. If Alabama's quarterback can play with the kind of efficiency that he played with against uh, Michigan State, uh, a defense that I consider pretty good, um, then I think Alabama has uh, too much uh, overall in terms of talent on defense and offense 
uh, for uh, Clemson to, to, to be able to be productive and, and win the game. And that's not to say Clemson doesn't have a chance. I, I don't feel that way at all. But, but as I look at the two teams, I would have to lean to Alabama uh, just based on putting a lot of credence in this last game because that's, that's the Alabama that we're looking at now. We're looking at a team that has a quarterback who's, who's confident, who's playing with more, more, uh, uh, more options, if you will. Uh, he, he's a, he feels good about his receivers, and they feel good about him. They're going up and making him look good by making some great catches and things like that. And, and I think defensively they're in a position where they can just swallow things up. Now, with that being said, uh, my, my, my justification on the Clemson side of things is, you know, they looked good too in their uh, uh, semifinal game, um, and they showed uh, the kind of flexibility that has historically bothered uh, Alabama's defenses. You know, the teams that have beaten Alabama in recent years are teams typically that have uh, pretty good diversity and, and have an athletic quarterback, if not a flat-out running quarterback. And certainly, you know, um, uh, Clemson has that. But I just have this feeling that uh, Alabama's ready for that this time. I think, uh, I think Nick Saban has uh, probably heard enough about his uh, inability to stop uh, athletic quarterbacks and that he will have those guys ready to go. All right. All right. So what, what do you think in terms of a score? Wow. Score's going to be tough. I, I think uh, this is going to be like a lot of championship games where early on it's going to be a little bit of a feeling out process. Um, so I'm going to say that early on it, it will be competitive. There won't be a, a ton of scoring. But as, as you get into the second quarter uh, and you go towards the halftime, all of a sudden there'll be maybe a flurry of scoring there right, at, right towards the end of the half, and one of the other team is going to start to exert itself. I expect it will be Alabama, much like the Michigan State game uh, transpired. I think you're going to see a, a similar arc of progression uh, where Alabama um, has some success late in the second, half, second quarter and then comes out in the third quarter and really begins to establish themselves um, and, and then in the fourth, it becomes their game. Um, um, and, but, I, I, but I do expect Clemson to have more offensive success than, say, Michigan State did. And so that will keep it interesting probably well into the third quarter. Okay. How about that score then? <laughs> <laughs> since, since it starts out a little slow, I'm going to say it's going to end up like uh, – um, I'm going to say it's going to end up like 30, 31 to uh, 14. 31 to 14. Interesting. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I, After having seen both teams' performances, although uh, I do think Clemson looked definitely good in their game against uh, Oklahoma, um, Alabama's just absolute dominance uh, on both sides of the, uh, the line of scrimmage uh, in right. terms of, uh, especially in terms of their line play. You know, both their offensive line and their defensive line was very, very good, very powerful. And so I think that that gives them the edge over uh, Clemson. Now on the opposite side, Clemson has that fast-paced offense and that ability to throw the ball, you know, and, and be diverse, you know, uh, which maybe Alabama doesn't have that much speed and, you know, uh, just the overall explosiveness, you know, that they do. <laughs> so I think that that's going to be if Clemson going to want to uh, take advantage of that all they can if they want to win this game. And I agree that, uh, honestly, Alabama's quarterback up to this point in the season uh, has been just kind of good, not great. You know, he got he got the job done 
didn't make a lot of mistakes, but he wasn't being that exceptional. But in the MSU game, I mean, his completion percentage was ridiculously high. Uh, so I agree with you that if he plays like he did there, uh, Clemson's going to have a much harder time. But if they can throw off his rhythm and make him play a bit more like how we've seen him before, you know, then, uh, then it might be a different story. But I'm going to predict an Alabama victory at the end of the day, and I'm going to go for a bit more high-scoring game. I'm going to say it's going to be 38 to uh, 31. Okay, 38-31. So a little bit more scoring. Yep. Good deal. Good deal. So. I like it. I like it. You you may be right, man. I mean, it it might up becoming really explosive um, because you've got um, thing that's different. Although this is a Nick Saban team, he does have uh, uh, Monty or not Monty uh, Lane Kiffin is his coordinator of, on offense. And I have a feeling Lane will be pretty aggressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All righty, then. Well, this was a good podcast. Uh, it nice, was. Nice to recap the bowl season. A little sad that we basically have one more podcast left about the this college football season, and then we're done. We're looking ahead to 2016 season. That's right. That's right. And as we talked when you were home, uh, hopefully we'll be able to set up a series of uh, conversations about uh, more global kind of uh, uh, issues uh, or uh, items uh, to talk about the sport that we love and uh, where we might want to see it uh, change or improve or go back to what, what used to be even in some cases. Um, uh, so that, that's kind of exciting for us uh, here at the, uh, at the uh, uh, football throwdown that we're going to be able to continue to have interesting conversations that's right and we had a quite extensive talk actually while we were driving you were driving me to the airport about the huskers and the schedule and what that means for mike riley in terms of the future of the program so i think we'd like to do a kind of an analysis podcast on that in the future as well right absolutely all right buddy cool well if you if you out there enjoyed this podcast, you can email us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com. You can find us online at footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. You can leave us comments, ratings, reviews there. Where you can also find us on iTunes. We're under College Football Throwdown there. You can do the same. Rate, comment, subscribe. We always like hearing from our listeners. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we look forward to... Uh, closing out this this season of uh, podcasts with the national championship game. Hopefully, it'll be with something with a lot lot to talk about, a lot of excitement. And uh, until next time, go big red. Go big red. Go big red.